0: We are headed toward Easter and in this Lent experience, this is the sixth Sunday in Lent. And we have been camping on John 15 with the metaphor of the vine in the branches where Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me, you remain connected to me, you will bear what? Much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we've been camping on this idea of, yes, that's what we need is this connection to Jesus. And so now we've been walking through the metaphor for six weeks, even while we're continuing to preach through the book of John. We kind of camped there and had these conversations over here on the, the, uh, the sofa for, uh, for a number of weeks now because it's been such a significant metaphor to think about. Now we're getting toward the end of it. In just a second, we're going to talk a little bit about abundant fruit. That's the end because that's the end of the metaphor. That's actually the point of the metaphor. Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now listen, I'm going to say something that's going to change your life right now. You ready? Wow. I'm going to try to deliver on this. All right, here you go. If you have been sold this bill of goods in your religious Jesus journey, this is the bill of goods. Try harder. Gosh, be, will you be a little bit better person, please? Gosh, will you stop being such a mess? If you've been told that that's the point of this whole Jesus journey, you've missed it altogether. The point of the Jesus journey is Let's receive the seed, the truth, stay connected to Jesus. The Holy Spirit fills us. Ready? Here's what changes your life. And out of that, fruit will come. Fruit will come. Fruit will come out of you. Now, there's trying in all that. There's disciplines in that. But what gets us to be fruitful people who look like Jesus, who smell like Jesus, the fragrance of Christ, is not trying harder, faking it better. It's being connected to him, and then fruit comes out. Is that not good news? Amen. So we've been walking through this. The precious seed is the word of God, the gospel that Jesus saves. And so we said early on in our, in our homework, like, all right, let's get in the word then, because we got to remember this is the story. And then we talked about the fertile soil that this seed goes into, that we want that soil to be ready to receive the good news of Jesus. And so remember that pile of rocks that we have over there? We brought our rocks up. Do you remember that four weeks, five weeks ago now? We're gonna de-rock the soil so that stuff can grow. We're gonna prepare that soil so we we can be uh, God's people and we're gonna plow it so it's ready to receive the truth. And then we talked about then these seed has to, when it starts to sprout in that good soil, oh, it's gotta dig down deep and grab on so that when the storms of life come, because they're gonna come, We'll be rooted in these truths so that we don't get taken out of the game. We gave you seven truths that you were supposed to think about, seven of many that like, oh man, these gotta take root in your life or we're gonna get wiped out. My men's group even were like, we actually picked some scriptures, some truths are like, I need this so I don't get wiped out this year. And we've been praying those verses over each other since that Sunday. And then we went to the vine and the branches and we talked about that part of the metaphor. That's how fruit's going to come, that we stay connected to the life-giving flow from the vine, which is Jesus. And so we talked about how do we stay connected to Jesus, and the church has just done all kinds of spiritual disciplines throughout the ages that help us stay connected to Jesus. And so we actually talked about four of them. Remember, we had four people on the sofa, and we had them talk that through, like, oh, yeah, man, this is, remember, there were spiritual friendships, gathered worship, a devotional life. What was the fourth one? I don't have remember off the top of my head. Anybody have their notes? I taught it. If I don't remember it, you don't have to feel ashamed. There's one more, but they were just one of three, four of many, right? That that keep us connected to him. And then the last one, last week, we gave that one to Ben to talk about. It it was rough. Careful pruning. That idea that God's going to prune us. Jesus said in the metaphor, even those vines that are uh, the branches that are fruitful, you that are fruitful, we're going to prune that. So they'll be even what? You remember what it says? More fruitful. And so God's gonna prune us and then we partner with him to we prune off the extra branches, the wild hairs in our life where we go that. This is not accomplishing it for me. This is sapping energy from staying connected to Jesus so that fruit can come out. So I'm gonna clean it up, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some extraneous things that maybe not need to not be in my life or need to not be so big in my life or need to not suck so much energy out of my life so that I can't stay connected to Jesus. So we did some reflection this week. Some hard hard work thinking about what that might look like. Well, anyway, it all comes down to the end where we go, so all of this is so that we would bear abundant fruit. We bear abundant fruit. And what that means is that wherever you go, you're God's person bearing fruit. Wherever you find yourself, you're God's person bearing fruit. So every room you walk into, every conversation you have, every task you take on, you are God's woman in that moment. You are God's man in that moment. You are God's person bringing fruit. It just blows out of you because the seed has been planted in good soil and taken root and we're connected to the vine and we're pruning off the excess stuff. And so wherever we show up, then fruit comes. Isn't that incredible news? Now I want to brainstorm just a quick minute. I want us to have this reflection. Like if that's happening, like we want us to be able to lean into that truth. We want to be grateful for it. We want to walk into every day, every conversation, every task and go, I'm bearing fruit, I wanna be grateful for that, and I wanna lean into it. So here's a question to reflect on, I'm gonna ask some of you about it. What, is this, what does this look like? What does it look like when, we might, when fruit is being manifested in, in the places in which you find yourself? What, is it, what might it look like? Just even hypothetically to think through, what does this look like? like? I talked with an at-home mom who just said, I'll tell you what it looks like. Most of the time, I wonder if I'm the only mom who doesn't like my kids most of the day. But what the fruit looks like is I have all the grace and love and compassion for those kids when the rubber meets the road, right? That's fruit being manifested. Somebody else say, I got sideways with somebody in my office. Like my coworker was such a pain. And the next day I did not know what was going to go down. But when I showed up, God gave me the love and the mercy and the grace for that person. Like I couldn't even imagine. What else might it look like? I'm going to ask a couple of you. In fact, I said to Arv, I'm going to put a question up there. And I don't know what he came up with, but Arv stand up here and share with us what what might it look like what's your thoughts Jeff I had an opportunity this week to demonstrate patience with my wife Oh lord Oh lord she's sitting right here what are you doing <laughs> This Okay for the record men this is not a good idea okay <laughs> So let's continue on in that vein So here's the story she is uh, had a, a knee procedure recently and so she's walking very slowly And so I needed to slow down right, in walking with her, and, um, and so it wasn't just that I did it, because, you know, self-preservation, of course, I'm going yeah. to do it, but it was a joy yeah. to do it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is so good, man, that's so great, when the, we were like, we sh- I should do this, the difference between I should do this and self-preservation tells me, and I find joy, and the Lord's meeting me in it, is totally the fruit just coming out of our lives. That's awesome. Thanks. I, I just, we have time for one or two more that somebody's... Yeah, Courtney's in the back there with a microphone. She'll come right over to you. Thank you for volunteering. What, is, what might it look like?
1: Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, my name is Cynthia. I see oh, Cynthia. can hear the echo. <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to give glory to God because I just receive um, help from, um, well, I got extra money. And I have my mom who's um, sick right now. But so I have been blessed a lot with other other people and disciples from Christ. And um, I was given money like four days ago. And a friend from Guatemala needed help, and I was able to share with her what go. I was given to me. Yeah. So I think that's the fruit of
0: yep. generosity. No, that is, know. yes, absolutely. <laughs>
1: but but it was, I was able to give because it was given to me, too. It's not yes. just me being nice. Well, uh, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, Cynthia, what a great example. Thank you. What a great example, yes. Okay, one more. Rick rigor we'll do this, the short version of this, if you don't mind, bro. Here we go. Hi, Jeff. So um, yesterday we had family over, Esther's family from Switzerland. There were a few people here, and there was a young one, Ellie. She was about, what, 10 months? Twelve? No, yeah. year and a half. Anyway, my son David, who's 20, is spending time reading with her and, sp- and spending time. I have another daughter who's now 23, and she does the same thing. But I look back on us serving in children's church and spending time with our kids
2: and raising our kids the fruit of seeing our kids get what we gave them.
0: Dude, so good. Yeah. Oh, look, some clapping over there for that. That's so good. Well, You guys, it's every conversation that we're going to have. It's every room we're going to walk into. It's every task that we're going to take on. We're going to be people that manifest his fruit. And we want to lean into that and be grateful. God, you're using me right now. And that's not a spiritual superiority complex, but boy, do we err on the other side? We always think inferior, like, I don't know, I'm just a mess. Well, no, you're God's person exhibiting fruit. Let's lean into it and let's maximize that. So here's the task we're going to do. We would love to have you, here's your homework for the week, okay? We're going to love to have you remind yourself several times this week for whatever room you're walking into that you go, wow, I'm God's person right here. And here's how we're going to help you do that. If you want to be on a text thread, a text chain, okay, text alert, Ben and I are gonna text you at random times this week. Oh, this is gonna be so fun. Pull out your phone, here we go. All right, some of you are like, really? Yep, no. You can reply to Ben, but not everybody will see your replies, and we're not gonna sell your information, but this is gonna be, so you take out your phone, and here's what you're gonna to need to do. William, I want you to stand with me, because I wanna see how this works with your phone. So come on up here. All right, so open up your text thing. We're taking the time to do it. online community. You guys got that too. You can see it on your screen. Right here, Will, tell me how this goes. So open up your text thread, and uh, to, you know, in the two box, right? Put eight ten ten. 10 You got it? Everybody know how to do that? Okay, 8-10-10. Some of you are, are technologically challenged. You can find this on the research page later on our website. And okay, eight ten ten. 10 And then when you, when you put in the text message, you write Marin Cove, C-O-V-E. Don't forget the E at the end, okay? Marin Cove. Sorry, at Marin Cove. At M-A-R-I-N-C-O-V-E. Okay, my thumbs made a mistake, two different places. Anyone else? Okay, boomer. Okay. At Marin, all right, did you do it, Will? Did it work? Okay, wait, so do that, at Marin Cove, 1010, and then hit send, and then what happens? Uh, Oh yeah, no. Will didn't get the number right. We'll put 810810. It's just 81010. Come on, Will. Come on, Will. <laughs> Boomer? What's going? <laughs> okay, and then what you're gonna get is if if, it, you, if you already have student ministry signups, this is the same alert that they use, so you may be already in there. If not, you'll put your name in there. And when it asks you if you're a student teacher or whatever, put S for student. You're the students this week. For this one. Oh, ding. Okay. And it did it work? Okay, at Marin Cove. Ben, I'm watching him right here. Yeah. How are you doing? He sent it. At Marin Cove. M-I-R-I-N-C-O-V-E. Nothing happened. Anybody happen to anybody else? Did anybody get their thing? Yeah. It worked? It worked? It worked? It worked. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really know what's going on there, bro. All right. We're going to do tech help afterward, but we're taking the time to do it because most of you can get it figured out. All right, so then and then you don't have to put your birth date in there, but you'll signed up. Did it work? Oh, you got it. It worked. You've joined my Okay, that's great. And you don't have to sign up for their app. You're in if you get to that place. And we're going to test it at the end of the gathering. So you will get random. Thank you, William. Thanks for making that work. Thanks for showing that it's not as easy as we make it think it is. And you. We will send you a text because in that moment you'll go, where am I right now when I get this message from Jeff and Ben? I'm pretty sure there'll be a video or a or a picture. Yeah, I can't answer tech questions, so I you have the raised hand, I got nothing for you over there, Linda. I don't know what to tell you. We'll try afterward. And in that moment go, oh, I'm God's person right here, right this very moment. Is it because you're alone and quiet? Is it because you're exercising? Because you're in the middle of a meeting? Are you like One guy told me he was in a meeting with Nobel laureate scientists when we did the uh, alerts that came a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm God's person right now, and fruit's coming out. How do you wanna use me, God? Man, that's beautiful. So that'll be our, our experience, and if you didn't do all the technology and didn't bring your phone, you can just set your own alerts, or you can later on get on our resource page and see the Lent doc and all those details are there, as well as all the other homework that we did during Lent, you guys are all there on that document. We'd love for you to go back and review that. Because here's the deal. In the end, if we're not the presence of the loving, glorious Jesus to the world, then the world's not getting what it is that they need, which is a relationship with God. So what a privilege. Well, as we continue in worship band, why don't you guys lead us in in church? I'm gonna have you stand and we're gonna come to do our offering as well during this time. And that's really fitting, right? Because as we come to the Lord, we go, here I am. Everything I have is yours. So bring your tithes, your offerings, your prayer requests to the baskets in the front or the back anytime during this song as you bring
2: yourself to the Lord. Welcome everybody again. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, it's interesting, I, I used to really enjoy reading and uh, COVID kind of killed that. There's so much good stuff to watch on TV and in movies and you just have to sit there and absorb it. And uh, so any chance I can get, go to the movies or watch TV, I'm all about it. And uh, I came across, uh, did you guys see Star Wars? Not Star Wars, Spider-Man No Way Home. Came out a little bit ago. It's uh, the new Marvel movies, actually just old now. And um, I watched my son who's all into this stuff, because I'm like an old person and I wasn't paying attention until recently. And so the whole time he's telling me what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. But apparently in this in this version of Spider-Man, um, they enter the multiverse, right? And also there's all these different realities uh, of Spider-Man, different versions of Spider-Man, different like timelines of Spider-Man. And they all converge in this one timeline. And this movie is this, the combination of all these different timelines happening. And it's super great. Now there's a new one coming out, Doctor Strange, apparently. So I'm going to see that for sure because I love the movies. But the idea of the multiverse is actually old. It's thin, it wasn't just new. It wasn't uh, Marvel. I thought it was a Marvel thing who they just wanted to make more money. They were like, oh, we need new actors, and so we need new money. But no, it's actually an old, old st- uh, story type, type that um, comic strips have been doing forever. And it started all the way back in the 1950s with DC Comics and a guy named Superman. You may have heard of him, right? And Superman, the ultimate superhero, um, was living um, and being, doing Superman things. But you know in the 1950s, everyone was freaked out about uh, plutonium and uranium and, you know, nuclear war and all the things that was going to happen with all the radiation fallout. So in one of the comic books, uh, Superman is talking to a scientist. They're looking at this gamma ray machine that's going to copy them. And uh, what ends up happening, it falls over and it hits Superman and Superman is copied. A mirror image of Superman is made, and it's called the Bizarro Superman. And ever since then, there's been Bizarro Superman, Bizarro World, and there's a whole stream of cartoons and, and uh, comic books all about Bizarro World. But Bizarro Superman, he's the, he's the mirror copy, he's the inverse of Superman. So he has all the strength um, and all the power and all the superpowers, but they're inverse. Like he speaks backwards. Um, instead of having laser eyes, he has like um, freeze eyes, and he's just instead of wanting order and truth and justice. This. He's just about chaos and destruction. And, uh, and so, what happens in one of the episodes, uh, Superman's had enough of this, and he, he banishes Bizarro Superman to Bizarro World. And Bizarro Superman creates this entire world in his image. And it's this little uh, cube of a world, and everything is just the inverse. It's a mirror of what it is for us. I mean, what it is for the normal world. And the reason why I bring this up is because we're celebrating Palm Sunday, and this is Holy Week, and we're entering into Good Friday. And then the the resurrection Sunday on, on Easter Sunday, and what's interesting is that we actually live in bizarro world. We think that we live in the real world. We think we live in a world that's beautiful and epic and nice and great. Um, and we, you know, there's a way in which the world functions and we know how to live within it. But the truth is that we actually live in a bizarre world. We live in this mirror copy of the world that God created. At the very beginning time, God created the, the world and the way it was going to be and the way humans were going to interact, the way the humans were going to interact with creation and with him. And it was going to be this beautiful picture of God, of the character of God, and yet because of the fall, uh, the human uh, existence changed, and now we live in a bizarro world. And so what we're talking about this morning is trying to open our eyes and recognize that this isn't the real world, this is bizarro world, and Jesus has invaded bizarro world, and so we don't really know what to do with him. But those of us who long to follow Christ and worship Christ and honor Christ, we actually need to deprogram ourselves. We need to move from one world to the other to be all that God longs for us to be. Because if, if we're not careful, what will happen is we just take some of the nice things of Jesus and implant them in a bizarre world, and nothing actually fundamentally changes. For God longs for there to be fundamental change. So this morning, we're going to talk about a king who is r- worthy of our worship. And if a normal person is just reading uh, John chapter 19, it doesn't really quite sound that way. But as Christians, we're going to see how that is actually true. So we're going through the gospel of John. And in John chapter 19, uh, we're going to skip around a little bit. So just grab a Bible from right in front of you and turn to John chapter 19. And let's start uh, at verse 16. So this is um, at the end, right? Jesus had uh, the Last Supper. He's in the garden praying. He's been arrested. He's uh, been put on trial and he's been whipped and beaten. And, uh, and then now he's been sentenced. And now this is where he's crucified. This is verse 16 it says this. So the soldiers took, up, took the charge of Jesus and carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there he crucified him and with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Now, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And what's funny, or not funny, is that Pilate, you know, put that sign up there to mock Jesus. He had it in three different languages so that any single person that could read in Jerusalem knew what that sign said, which is this, this man dying on the cross, hung on the cross in the most beautiful, brutal form of execution. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And what's interesting is in um, the cross has become the center symbol for Christians. And if you think about it, it's a, it is an alarming symbol. And, and a lot of Catholic churches, you'll see the little sign above it says I-N-R-I, which is the, the Latin abbreviation of Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And now while Pilate was mocking that, Jesus actually is the true king. So here we are in bizarro world, and this king shows up, in a totally different form, in a suffering servant, in the form of a baby, worshipped by shepherds, was a homeless person, right? Lives in this uh, backwards way. And yet for those people who have the sense of that this person is more than just a wandering rabbi, but he might actually be the true king, end up following him into this new kingdom. And what's really challenging is that we live in this world, and maybe not you fully, but man, I feel like I am so at home in this world. And I work really hard to take on the values of this world and actually maximize them. And I thought about this, like if I had to write up, what are the things that are honored in our culture, right? It'd be like, blessed are the strong, blessed are the handsome, blessed are the wealthy, blessed are those with status, blessed are those with power, blessed are those, right? With all these like worldly um, stature. And those are the things that we work for. And even as good Christian people, like those things actually form us and shape us maybe more than they should. But those are the values of the bizarro world. The kingdom of God, the true world, Jesus, our king, says this, that blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, the, the kingdom of this world, we want power and justice and retribution. But the kingdom of God longs for mercy and peace and reconciliation. And so we want to become, how do we move from becoming bizarro world people to being kingdom of God people? So we want to worship this king who for us feels like this upside down king and an upside down kingdom, but he truly is the real king. And the pummer is I think our flesh just gets in the way too much. I have, a, I have two teenagers. I don't know if you've ever hung around teenagers, but individually they're incredible right? You sit down and you talk to them and they're insightful. They have ways they understand the world. They have great talents. They want to like change things. Like they are just these incredible people. And when they actually articulate what's happening, like I read one of my son's English papers. I'm like, oh my goodness, who is that person? It's incredible. They're brilliant. But all of a sudden you put five teenagers together in a room and the wheels just come off. I do not know what happens, right? Like, all of a sudden, there's just no more thinking. It's just full mob mentality, and it's like, the, like, like swallows just moving all over the place. You have no idea what's going to happen, causing death and destruction everywhere. <laughs> now, it's fun to make fun of teenagers and my kids because they're my teenagers and my kids. But the truth is, we are human beings. We're just like them. We are a pack uh, people, We're a mob mentality, and we are led around like swallows with, the, the, with all the different uh, external things happening around us. And I, I thought about this because earlier in John chapter 19, uh, the, the crowd of people um, end up having their way in a little bit of mob mentality moment. So verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1 says this, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they slapped him in the face, again mocking Jesus. Now one more time, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look. I am bringing him out to you and let, to let you know that I've finished, and there's no basis for the charge against him. So, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said, Here is the man. So, when this was happening this time, there was no reason that he should have been crucified, right? He was um, beaten and flogged, and that was kind of the maximum sentencing that they could happen. But then the crowd chimes in. So, as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! And in other uh, versions and other gospels, right, there's just crowds of people yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And these were all the people just a week before who were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, here's the king. Here's our coming king. They're so excited for this coming king. And then now in another mob moment, they are saying, crucify him, crucify him. And what's interesting is we are so caught up in our emotions, and we are just led by our emotions. In 2017, there was a study, and uh, basically they recognized there was a, a change happening in the way that media works in itself. Instead of having clickbait, right, things have moved over to rage bait. I'm sure you've probably heard about this because this has already been five years from now. But that we are these emotional beings, and basically corporations and news organizations figured out how to poke our emotions and to get us so fired up and to get us so angry, Whenever I talk with people who are so fired up and so angry, it's interesting if you push back even a little bit, they look at you like you are crazy and like you are the devil himself. Like how would you not understand this thing? And what I realize is for many of us, not just our teenagers, but for all of us, we get so wrapped up in the emotion and we are led by these powers that are behind the scenes to get us to get so angry and to chant and yell for justice. Not biblical justice, but vigil anti-justice. And here's just a little test. This was a test that I used on me and I was alarmed and maybe you'll find it to be helpful or not helpful for you. But you think this is not me at all. I'm above this. I'm not an emotional person. I'm not a pack animal. Well, think about this. Think of all the things that you get animated about and excited about and angry about. And uh, over the last few years, this has worked for the whole political spectrum. But there's a group of people who protested. And when they protested, some of the people in the protest got a little wild and out of control and broke some things. And when you're watching this protest happen, because they were your people, you're like, what they are standing for is important and right. And what they broke, well, that's just a fringe minority, and we need to have grace for them because of whatever. But all of a sudden, if if they weren't your people you were horrified at the death and destruction and protesting. And you looked at these people and you're like, how could this be? And you wanted the full weight and power of the government to come down and crush them because that's just who we are. We get so caught up in our tribalism and in who we are and we want justice and there's a biblical form of it. But in the bizarre world, it's this vigil anti-justice that is not biblical at all. And realize most of the time we get caught up in mob mentality, but as Christians, as Christ followers, we need to step away from the line so that we can be the people that God longs for us to be. So the flesh part of it is really challenging. And gosh, I'm like, oh my goodness, I resonate with the culture of our world. I resonate with being emotionally led around in our world. But at the end of the day, I wanna be, be someone who actually looks to Jesus as our true king and see who he is and who his values are and to model him. And so at the very end, Jesus says this fascinating sentence at the very end of his life, which just sums up his entire ministry In uh, chapter 19, verse 28, it says this, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on on the stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had finished receiving the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Those three words, it is finished, are the most powerful words I think that Jesus spoke. I mean, he showed up, we celebrated Easter, he lived this really dramatic life, he healed people, he taught people, people were fascinated with him, trying to understand who Jesus was. But Jesus' death on the cross was the culmination of his ministry. It is finished. All of the powers and principalities of Bizarro World are now brought under heel under this new kingdom, under this new king. And the way that he ushered it in was through the cross, which just blows our mind. and makes it so hard to understand. But when I think about it is finished, there's a couple different things. One, do you know that there's over 300 prophecies, types, um, allusions to who the, the Savior of the world is gonna be, who the Messiah was gonna be throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfills every single one of them. All the way back in Genesis, when um, the author talked about there's gonna be, um, the Savior's gonna crush the heel, I mean, with his heel, crush the serpent's head. Or in Isaiah 53, the Messiah was going to be the suffering servant. Or the picture of this Passover lamb in the story of Exodus, which we're going to celebrate on Wednesday, right? Which is that this Passover lamb is going to take the sins of this people. The blood's going to cover and protect God's people. And God's going to lead them from slavery to freedom. Jesus is the ultimate picture of all of those things. It is finished. is the culmination of all of the pictures of all the longings for of God's People are now found in Jesus. That's one The second thing, it says it is finished. Our debt has been paid. All of our sin, all of our rebellion, all of our brokenness, all of the things that just we we thrive in bizarre world that actually cause war on our soul, that that war on our soul causes separation between us and God. And what's interesting is we all know when we've screwed up, we know that there's a barrier between us and that other person. And we know that there's something we have to do, right? We buy flowers, we buy gifts, we, we do something to prove that we've done something wrong. And the truth is, People have done that for all of time with God. We don't know how to do with God and people for all over the world have found different ways to try to earn back God's favor. But the Christian story is that we don't need to earn back God's favor. It is finished. Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. Jesus is the great high priest who covers us with all of his atoning blood so that now when God sees us, he sees his righteousness, not our broken, um, frail, sinful, rebellious people. And so it is finished. And lastly, this new king has conquered death and sin forever and ever. I feel like in, our, in the bizarre world, death, mourning, pain, sin, rebellion, just brokenness in our very soul is the core of our experience. Now we hide it with all sorts of our beauty around us, but if we're quiet long enough, that is the core of our human experience. And Jesus says, it is finished. Death no longer has power. Right? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? So Jesus is now this new king. And it's hard because in the world, he's a crucified king, but in the kingdom of God, He is the king who deserves to be honored and lifted up forever and ever. And so this king is really the king that deserves our affection and praise. We see this in, in Prom Sunday when they began to get a picture of who Jesus is. And sometimes, at least for me, who's too, who's too caught up in this world, the picture in John 19 is a hard picture to get my head around of the Jesus that deserves to be worshipped. But he does deserve to be worshipped. But the picture in Revelation 19 is that picture of Jesus, the mighty warrior riding in on a horse with the sword, bringing ultimate justice and victory for all eternity. And he has this giant sash that says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you like action movies, like that's the Jesus who's going to make it for a really good action movie. And at the end of time, Jesus is going to make all wrongs right. How cool is that? But we live in this middle ground. We live where we follow, not the, the, the king of kings of John 19, I mean of Revelation 19, we live in the, where we follow the king of John 19. Jesus, the suffering servant, the one who graciously offered himself, who forgave his enemies, who extended grace and mercy and reconciliation to us through his death on the cross. That's the king that we love and that's the king that we serve and that's the king that we're invited to then model. So if we want to be Christians. We want to be little Christ. And the way we do that is we model his humility, his grace, his mercy, and his reconciliation. Well, I'm going to invite the band out. And um, we're going to end with this new song. We're going to be singing this song on, on Good Friday. And um, it's, it, was, it's, it is a beautiful, beautiful song. And it's an anthem for an up, upside down kingdom. It's not the anthem of a kingdom of a, a triumphal, we're gonna take over the world. It's the, it is the upside down anthem of people who desperately love Christ and wanna model him. I'm just gonna share the, uh, the bridge. I just think it's so captivating. It says this, your cross is my freedom and your stripes are my healing. I'll praise King Jesus, glory to God in heaven. Your blood is still speaking, your love is still reaching. I'll praise King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Let me pray for us, then we'll continue our time in, in a little more worship. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I just pray that you would forgive me, that you would forgive us for the ways that we have found such a comfortable home in this bizarre world, for the ways in which we've made the culture and the values of this upside down place take prominence in our life, capture us, captivate us, take up our time and energy. I pray more and more, God, that we would be led to the true world where you are the true king, and that we'd be people who would model your true character. I'm so thankful for this week and for the celebration of your death on the cross and the way that you will rise again on Easter and the fact that sin and rebellion and death have no more power. And so I pray that you'd forgive me, that you'd forgive us. I pray that you would heal me. I pray that you would heal us. And as forgiven and as healed people who worship our risen Savior, I pray that we would also model your grace, your mercy, and your reconciliation to a world that desperately needs it. We love you, Lord. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.